You're listening to the Haney Company Financial Guy Show. No nonsense, just a crazy mix of life, business, the funny, and of course we're going to talk about your money. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. What could go wrong? Welcome to another episode of the Haney Company Financial Guy podcast. I am very excited to have Raina Bonds with me because we've got a pretty fun topic to be talking about. But Raina, thanks for joining me this morning. No problem. I'm glad to be here, Brian. Everybody understands that the hardest questions come first, the most thought-provoking, the ones that everybody listens to uh, and cares about. So let's just let's just get out the gate hot and heavy. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would you want to live? So I would love to live in Amsterdam, and I'll tell you why really quickly. We went to Amsterdam a couple of years ago, and we had a fantastic time. We love, you know, walking around and all of the things that were available. And we talked about what what if we could actually live there for a while. So I would love the opportunity to live there. Wow. That's a, that's a new spot. I've only been to the airport there. So I have <laughs> no con the airport seemed great though. So, all right, I'm putting, I'm putting it on the short list. I'm trying Put to get it on the bucket list. Yeah. The, I'm, uh, the, the, the European spots seem to be higher on the list than some other spots, but uh, yeah, no, I, that's wonderful to hear. I love it. So it's going to make the, I'm sure it'll make the top 10 list pretty soon. Mm-hmm. What food will you not eat under any circumstance? Liver. Oh, okay. oh my God. What well, that flavor. Oh, I just can't do it. Liver. I, I would never eat it under any circumstance. Don't put it in anything. I don't want it to touch anything. <laughs> okay. So um, liver worst, I assume, means that, that that's out of the equation. <laughs> Oh, it has that flavor, that liver flavor or liver mush, liver anything. I don't want chicken livers, none of that. The flavor and the texture is just, oh, (laughs) no, thank you. (laughs) Got it. Okay. No, I, I, you know, the, that visceral response is, is probably the same way I feel about insects and the concept (laughs) of, of, you know, eating crickets with, even with chocolate, I'm like, so I I get it. Yes. Uh, I, I, all right. Liver. Got it. All right. Um, what celebrity would you want to share a meal with or have over to dinner and why? So it would be Oprah. And I'll tell you why, because I grew up watching her as a kid and and I saw how far she came in the industry. And I would love, love, love to have an opportunity to sit down and talk with her to learn about, you know, all the insight that she has, all the experiences that she has. Um, and just to learn, you know, more, you know, in that inspiration, I really think that she has a heart of gold and I would love to, you know, sit down and have dinner with her. I, I agree. I think, I think she, her name has come up a few times before. She definitely <laughs> seems like somebody that would be, you know, not just obviously have, have a tremendous story, but also be fun to talk to in a personal yeah. setting as well. Like not, you know, kind of out there, very down to earth, very easy to communicate with. So yeah, yeah, that's what it comes across to me as well. You know, I mean, I know she's very hardworking and everything, but it seems like on a human level, like she's someone that you could actually connect with. Yeah, yeah, very authentic, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So besides this one, of course, (laughs) what other podcast would you want to recommend that you would want our audience to consider listening to? Okay, so 
I'm going to say this. You guys do not crucify me, but I like, I do enjoy sometimes the Dave Ramsey show. <laughs> he can be a little, you know, over the top, but the fundamentals, the foundation that he gives people uh, is just, it's very sound. And I think that people, you know, want to have at least a firm foundation and then you just can build from there. But I do like that part. Oh, I, I think it's a great recommendation. He, there's a lot of stuff that he does and provides yeah. That is, you're right. It's it's extremely helpful, and exactly. I think, yeah. especially from a fundamental standpoint, and 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 frankly, to help a lot of people kind of get going financially, I think he's got some really great tools and resources. He yes, he is a polarizing figure. Maybe when you come to some of the higher level things, but mm -hmm. I agree with you. Um, I, I think that there's some great tools and great benefits to to what he produces, and uh, and I will say this, just as a as a we can call him an entertainer. Yeah, show. He's 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 easy to listen to. So, I'm yeah, that. okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from the foundational perspective, I just I do agree with a lot of the you know that stuff. Yeah. I mean, like you said, as you get up into some of the other stuff, I'm like, eh. but I'm really um and and yes, you will listen in and you'll be like, did he just say that? Yes, he did just say that. <laughs> no, it, I mean, he's always been somebody that I've I've again as a personality and a media. Mm -hmm presence um, does have at least an engaging dynamic and, you know, communicates some, some, I, I, he does a, he does a really good job. I think also of taking some things that seem more complicated and breaking them down, breaking them down. making Absolutely. things very bite-sized. So, all right. I like it. Well, let's move on to the more fun things. Not that those, th those ones aren't fun, but let's make this about you. Tell the audience about who you are, what you do, and tell us a little bit about your journey, your hero journey. All right. So I am at the at the foundation. I am an estate planning attorney. Okay. And from there, I, I have spent some time as an advisor as well. So I have a really good perspective on what the entire process looks like from end to end. So I, I have this philosophy where I look at my clients, um, their wealth building strategies as two bookends. So the bookend of what they're doing on the wealth side while they're alive, living a financially fulfilling life now, and then transitioning over into that legacy piece where how they want to actually leave behind, you know, the assets and things that they've worked so hard their entire lives to build. So that is, you know, pretty much who I am in this journey we probably on this podcast all day if I really gave you all the pieces of this journey, but it's been a very, very long one. I've wanted to do this type of work for a very long time. I watched my dad really just struggle when it got to time for him to retire. He had no information he didn't understand. And there were so many things that, you know, he was missing so many pieces and he really just couldn't afford to retire. And I was in college at the time and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like my dad, I know my dad has worked his entire life. I know that, you know, all these years he's spent, you know, at this hospital doing all of this work, but he didn't know or understand the, uh, the, the financial planning piece and the, you know, and even later on now, the legacy piece of how this works, you know. So having the opportunity to educate people from that perspective was extremely important to me. And that's kind of how I've come about this journey. I know there's a bunch of other steps that I didn't, you know, cover, but 
I'll, like I said, I'll be all day <laughs> talking about it, but it's just, it's been an exciting journey. It's been a, a tough one, a very long one, but, um, you know, at the foundation, that's where I'm at, the estate planning attorney. And that's, I'm glad you touched on a couple of those things. So first of all, uh, I, it's wonderful to know that there is a compelling personal life experience connection. Because uh, yes. I feel like I, I, that's we're kindred spirits in that regard. And I, I professionally work with my father, not just I've seen him walk through life. So that's a, you know, I, I, I recognize uh, just how powerful and motivating that is. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, I, I still get teary eyed every time my dad tells his story about why he's in this industry and his first claim experience. And all. it was just so those types of um, motivating factors, I think, are so extremely important. But also, we have a very kindred connection in the fact that you are unique in, you know, the legal field or for, for an attorney's planning standpoint, that you've walked kind of the, the advisory wealth path, as well as not just planning your flag as an attorney's. And, and I think you're right, that, that that definitely sets you apart. And I, and I know it's given you a really good, healthy, and, and I imagine uh, practice advantage in terms of how you do what you do and probably the way that you intersect with your clients. So let's, let's talk about, so the, the words estate planning, I think, and, and, and you, you tell me what you feel about this, but I've found a lot of times saying those words it, they don't land very well for most people. I think that there's some either lack of understanding, resistance, or they just kind of seem too weighty, too heavy. How might you break down the concept of, of estate planning or really legacy planning? And what are the practical ways that you talk to people about this process? So I really try to back off of the term estate planning. And I use it as I go for more life planning. So uh, because I feel like the estate plan is just a portion of the person's life and I want them to feel like they're living a financially fulfilling life. And even the plans that I have, I call them life fulfillment plans because I like that. Yeah, because I want I want people to get out of the mindset of, oh, you know, this is a sad thing. I'm planning my death. No, you are planning to, you are planning to leave a legacy. Like you're planning something that is exciting. That's something that you can like leave this world with, you know, like you, I mean, you have to think about it a little bit differently. So estate planning at the foundational level, yes, it is more so, you know, about, you know, having, you know, things in order and, you know, making sure that you have certain documents and different things like that. But from my perspective, it's not just about the documents. It's about more than the documents. It's about building something very, very special for yourself, for your family, for your business. And then when you're no longer here, those things live on as a part of you. So I, I try to make it more of an experience that's more exciting than just estate planning, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. When it, yeah, so there's, there's so much of this financial ease that I think uh, our running joke when it comes to things like that and insurance is that it's the non-narcotic cure for insomnia, right? You know, hey, if you're, if you're having trouble sleeping, pull out your will and, and trust and start reading through it and you should be knocked out in about 20 minutes. Yeah, if you make it to 20 minutes, you might be knocked right. yeah. out in five minutes. It's like, it's like, 
we should have, I, I, this is, this is, I'm going to, we're going to have to make sure I copyright or patent this somehow, right? Instead of like the rainy, you know, no white noise machine, we should have somebody reading an estate plan. That would be that. I mean, I guarantee you that would be something that people would love to go to sleep. So, oh, absolutely. I have to agree <laughs> with you on that. <laughs> All right. Audience, you heard it here first. Okay. <laughs> but I love, I really loved what you said and how you shared it because again, I, I, I feel like we have that synergy in how we approach that, you know, the, the legal component, the financial instruments, uh, what you focused on was living your best life and really also thinking about, you know, we don't, we don't live to work, we work to live. So I think helping people connect to their reasons why and I know, especially when it comes to the planning piece, not just, you know, what they're doing with what they have, but who they're doing it with and what and, and who they're doing it for. Mm-hmm. And I think those are so powerful. And, and, you know, the way that you're able to help people really think thoughtfully about, you know, legacy, but really, you know, how can I continue to impact the people that I care about the most? And, and really, you're offering them a solution that just creates that framework to do what they want to do, what they're trying to do, but they don't necessarily know how to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Open it up to have those tools and resources, you know, more so than just thinking about, oh, I'm going to get these documents done, you know. So, so it's a lot more to it. Well, let's, let's very practically, when, when should somebody start thinking about this type of stuff? You know, what are some of maybe, uh, you know, as people travel along life, what are some of the either triggering events or, you know, just kind of thought provoking components that people come across that might lend them to say, hey, maybe I should start thinking about a will or, or, or talking to somebody about my estate or my legacy or what have you. Yeah. So I think that once the person is starting to get into the work field, even if they're still young you know, at least having some basic things in order, because as we've seen so many people, even young people end up injured, you know, injury that they weren't anticipating, or um, sometimes there's substance abuse issues like we had with the Britney Spears thing, where she's been in that under that conservatorship for the past 13 years. Well, of course, she wasn't anticipating that. And now she's trying to get from under it. But just think, you know, being that young and not, you know, having a plan in place, you're not even thinking to have a plan in place. But, you know, my opinion is once you kind of start working and, you know, you're starting to make a little bit of money and starting to build up. But then also some triggering events, definitely at marriage, divorce, having a child, you know, starting a business or even winding down a business, you know, so there's going to be different points in time where it was going to be a little bit more at top of mind, even retirement, you know, because I've met people who are about to go into retirement who have not done any planning. So I think that's a really critical point, you know, where you want to look through your finances, but you also want to look through, you know, hey, what does happen, you know, in the event that I pass away or that the more likely event that I have an incapacity, you know, so those are some of the, the events that I would say. No, the, and that's, and I'm glad you, you mentioned, you know, obviously a lot of those, but, you know, encouraging someone, even, even, even frankly, young professional single, there are still things that you want to be thinking about. And I want to, I want to get uh, real specific for a second, because um, I think, you know, certainly this is where estate planning 
can um, not help as much because you know certainly the term estate deals with the next generation passing on death, but planning, you know, there are some real practical and necessary things that while you're alive, you need to be yeah. dealing with. And let's focus on one that I find uh, is is widely misunderstood and not utilized, and that's a power of attorney and a medical advance directives. Can we talk about those things? Because again, Rob, we're getting into some real legal jargon terms, but but those two specifically I've seen are so important. They, they absolutely have value and power and necessity while you're alive, whether you're married or not. But let's talk about what those are and why things like that are so important to think about. Sure, absolutely. So when you think about a power of attorney, so a durable power of attorney, you're thinking about a, a document that allows someone else to act on your behalf financially when you're incapacitated. So those two documents work hand in hand. So for instance, if I need, if I'm incapacitated, I can't get to the bank, you know, I'm, I'm injured, I'm sick, or, you know, something is happening to where I can't act on my own behalf, then, you know, I have appointed someone or I have thought through who I want to make those decisions that's where the, you know, the opposite of that is the conservatorship where you have to go through an entire court process and, and the court will actually decide who's going to take care of you, who's going to take care of your finances. Well, it may or may not be the person that you want if you're talking about the court doing it. And then on the other hand, you're, the medical directives, that is where someone's going to be helping, is going to be helping you if you become, you know, unable to make your own medical decisions. So just think about that as these are extremely important because you're more likely to become incapacitated, you know, at some point throughout life and need someone to be able to act on your behalf. And you want to be the one who makes those decisions, not leave it to the court, you know, when it comes to like conservatorships or guardianships or them, you know, starting to appoint people through the through a court process, as opposed to you sitting down and making those decisions and had taken that power into your own hands. Well, and I, and I really appreciate how you mentioned that court process, because I think it's so important for everyone listening to know that's yeah, the yeah. default. If you don't do anything and something happens to you, it must by default go through the legal court process. Absolutely. And so, you know, Obviously, we would like to trust that the courts will do the best they can to act on your behalf, but leaving that as, as you know, the only way that things would play out can be really harmful. And I, I want to, you know, I remember uh, a, a colleague of mine, financial advisor, uh, who had a daughter who had a medical situation while she was still uh, a teenager in, in college. Mm -hmm. And it was to the point where uh, she could not respond. It was, it was a pretty serious situation that went on for several months. And he described to me how incredibly challenging it was for him as her dad, but she was of age. She was a, an adult, a legal adult. He couldn't even get help talking to her bank. It, it, th thankfully, um, you know, things were okay from, for her medically and, and, and they progressed out of that, but not having a power of attorney for a then 20 year old made a yeah. real problem. I mean, paying bills, doing things that needed to happen. Um, I mean, and that's, that was an extremely formative experience. And I remember hearing him talk about it. And, and so, you know, it, it, it hit home, you know, yeah. really, I mean, you're, you're, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, you get 
to your adult world and adult life, these are things that you really do want to think about because you don't want to leave that up to chance. Yeah. Yeah. And the court is not going to know or even care much about what your wishes would have been. And they're not going to be able to really take your wishes into consideration at that point because you can't speak or do for yourself at that point. So you definitely want to be more on the proactive side than the reactive side of this. Cause like, like you said, the default is the court system. Yeah. No. And, and, you know, I, I remember that, you know, speaking to, to me, to my wife, as we were doing our own planning, you know, having these things done for our daughter, you know, I mean, just you think about, you know, it's easier when you've got two generations, right. Or your, your parents and you want to make sure you're taking care of your kids. I think that that's, it's something a lot, a lot of us can connect to more tangibly, but that, you know, all of the things that can play out while we're alive, those things have, have ramifications and impact. Let's switch and talk about in this, in the same vein, not even necessarily getting to, you know, what do we do for the next generation, but some planning components that while you're alive, why it's important to thinking about planning. I mean, obviously, you know, we're creating some legal protection frameworks. So can you talk about things that could happen while you're working or, you know, something that could happen if there's a lawsuit that comes against you that might, you know, that might be a trigger for us to think about how do I want to actually protect myself legally while I'm living? You know, what are some of the things that you think uh, more people might want to be considering? Yeah. So when you mention things that could happen at work, you know, injuries could happen at work. And then sometimes, sometimes even people get to the point where they're, you know, have medical situations and they're just stressed out and, you know, so many different things can happen. But from a protection standpoint, when you think about how you hold and title your assets, it's extremely important because then you're thinking about, you know, whether or not, and now I'm getting into this probate part, but whether or not I want my family to have to go through the probate process or whether or not I want to protect them from that and put my assets and title them in a different manner. So titling is extremely important, whether I title it in my individual name, joint with someone, or whether I decide to put my assets into a trust if I want like a higher level of protection, protection from creditors, protection from, you know, bankruptcies, protection, you know, if I'm ended up divorced and that person decides to remarry. So there's a lot of things that you can build into a plan, you know, when it comes to, you know, when you start thinking about the more advanced planning through using different types of trust, you know, so I think that's a great tool that people can think about and of course talk with their, you know, professionals, you know, professionals in there that are licensed in their state to make sure that they understand what the ramifications are on a state-by-state basis. Because that's one thing I will say about estate planning. Um, It is all regulated on a state-by-state basis. So, you know, you live in California, you've got to do it under the California laws. You do, you know, so just depends on, you know, where you live and how, you know, those, um, you know, how it's regulated by the state. But anyway, um, so I think that the biggest thing when it comes to protection is how you title the assets. So titling in a trust or titling in your individual name is going to have different um, ramifications when it comes to probate, probate assets. Yeah. And you also mentioned creditor protection, which is, again, yeah. so, so critical. Yeah. And I want to and I want to I wanna make sure uh, I, I, you mentioned something so important that I want to I want to reinforce 
you do need to be mindful of the state regulations because it's not uniform. What happens in Maryland is different than what happens in California and Texas. And while, and, and so this is to not denigrate resources like LegalZoom and, and you know, all of the things that you can maybe find some tools and resources online to get some basic things together. But I think it's still very important that anybody that's taking a tool from a digital platform still has a way to make sure that it's buttoned up in the state that they're in. And that, you know, a lot of times, you know, you, you, you kind of don't want to DIY legal things. Maybe there are certain things that you can, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think that this maybe, maybe let's talk about just, you know, what kind of very basic tools that somebody, cause, cause, you know, engaging with an attorney can be daunting for anybody, I think. So yeah. how would you speak to somebody who wants to, you know, do some of this stuff, maybe has taken, you know, maybe has downloaded a template online or something like that. How would you talk to, to somebody like that and then maybe understand how far they can go doing things on their own and when it would be really important to seek some counsel or get some guidance or advice? So I think that when you do it yourself, that you run the risk of not having everything, like as you, as you mentioned, buttoned up. So when you don't work with a professional, it's like, I mean, it's like going, I mean, how, how can I put this? It's like going to a foot doctor for a brain tumor, you know, so you, you really, really, really want to work with a professional, particularly if you have a more complex estate, because think about it like this. Just in Maryland, D.C., Virginia, there's different there's different rules. So Virginia does not have an estate tax, but Maryland and D.C. do. So if you live in Maryland and your estate is valued over five million dollars, you need to be thinking about how to do some planning. You know, so when you when you get to a certain asset level and you get to a certain complexity, in your estate plan, you need to work with a professional. You need to think about, okay, so what are the federal estate tax limits? Well, right now it's at 11.7 million. You know, so when you when you go on LegalZoom or whatever and you just throw together something, you don't know if that those documents or those things are taking all of your individual attributes. Do you have a business that you want to pass down? Do you have, you know, do you have small children? Well, what about protecting your children through, you know, different terms for guardianship? That's not going to be in your will, right? Because the will is only going to be used at death. You may need other tools and resources that those types of do-it-yourself thing are not going to be able to provide for you. So it's always my suggestion, unless you just have a very, very simple you know, non-probate estate, you know, you don't have the um, assets that would go through probate. You don't, don't have to think about those things. Then maybe you could do like just a quick will or something like that, or just a, you know, document. But I, I personally don't suggest it because like I said, you don't want to have, you know, th- leave these types of things as important as it is to chance. And I, I really appreciate you framing it that way. You know, I, I sometimes casually joke, I could change the oil in my car. I have the capabilities and like a modicum of knowledge as, as to how to do that. Now, granted, you do need usually a lift and some other things, but just hypothetically, that's a very basic car maintenance thing. But 
I will not do it myself just because I can, because when I take it to the dealership that I've had a long-standing relationship with, the people there don't just do that for me, but they look at the car, they give me advice, and they'll tell me, hey, you know, I noticed X, Y, and Z, All right, You know, I understand that it's at this point, you've had this many miles, we want to be, and it's, that's, you know, it, to me, not just worth it from an oil change standpoint, but it's given my car longevity, longer life, the cost of ownership has gone way down, and, you know, and that's just a car, right, a, a, a depreciating asset that, doesn't have the same level of impact when we're talking about our total financial picture. And, and so I, you know, I really do appreciate you framing it the way that you do in that, you know, I think that there's, and we've seen this, I've seen this in all parts of, of, I think, you know, the financial services industry and now, you know, the legal industry, there's a lot of things that are getting pushed out to the public and, and for, for us to be able to take advantage of. And it, there's a lot of this kind of DIY concept. I mean, there's a reason YouTube is the second uh, number two search engine in the world. It's because there's a DIY video for everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's great for a lot of things, but I, I certainly think your point is so well taken. It's not about the document. It's about the advice. It's right? about the advice. It's about, mm-hmm. and not only the advice, but the relationship to have yeah. an ongoing relationship where you can contact someone to say, Hey, look, I just got married. What are some things that I should be thinking about? Or, hey, look, me and so-and-so, it didn't work out. We're getting a divorce. You know, what should I be thinking about? Or I need to change the guardian on, you know, for my, you know, my kid, or I just had another one, you know, you know, these types of things, you know, having that lifelong relationship with someone to be able to work with you, to build that wealth, to protect it. And then, you know, it's like, hey, you know, I just picked up another asset. Now I'm over the estate tax limit. What can we do, you know, to restructure my plan so that my heirs and things don't have to pay estate taxes? Or like in in Maryland, there's also an inheritance tax on certain, you know, certain assets. But how would you know which assets that are going to be taxed, the inheritance tax, and which ones won't? Well, LegalZoom is not going to tell you that. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So let's let's talk about we we're let's talk about some key ingredients to what you would say is a successful plan. So you're probably going to think that I'm going to talk documents. I'm not. The reason that I'm not is because the documents are just an ancillary part of the plan. The bigger pieces to that plan are your sense of responsibility and we think about, you know, you know, what, what types of things, the goals, the, the, your, the goals for yourself, the goals for your family. And then another thing is going to be commitment to the process, because this is all a process. This is not a one and done, you know, throw it all together. It's a process. It's where we start with, with your goals in mind. And then we work back and build something that you can keep throughout your lifetime, add to take away from, And then also the follow through and the follow up to make sure that everything stays on track and everything stays in place the way that you want it to so that, you know, you can build the life and legacy that you really want to build. So it's more so that is more so the foundation that I go from. And then from there, we can see what pieces and tools make the most sense to be able to build that. I'm so glad you said it that way. Um, because I think that that is 
such a better way to look at it. And that's what we were talking about is what you said from the very beginning. You know, this is about living your best life and really, you know, whether it's a legal thing, whether it's a financial instrument, all this stuff comes together. They're really just tools mm-hmm. to keeping you on that path of, of, of life success and of substantiating the things that you're working really hard to substantiate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really appreciate the way that you, that you frame that. You know, I, I think of, you know, the estate planning I've done for myself, you know, I, I married to an amazing woman coming up on 17 years. We have a, an amazing daughter. And for me, it was, you know, estate planning, trusts, and life insurance had nothing to do with those words. I realized that I wasn't saying I love you to them if I didn't do it. If, if, mm-hmm. if they're as important to me as they are, I can't look them in the eyes and say, I love you, I care for you, I want the best for you. And then to me, denigrate my responsibility by not planning what could, you know, what would play out if I didn't make it home. I just I couldn't, like it wouldn't sit for me. It just didn't work. I couldn't, I, it, it, it felt dishonest. You know, it really was something. And again, I, I, I mean, being a professional, being in the industry had a lot more of, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more connected to it on a professional level, but personally, none of that stuff really mattered. It was always just about, look, I can't say I love you and mean it fully and completely if, if I'm not taking care of you when I'm not around, because I'm going to yeah. take care of you when I am around, you know, but I have to also, it's, it's, it's a both and for me. It's not a, it's not an either or I don't get to choose. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that that's, that is such a very important framework to apply. Um, yeah. I want to, I want to kind of get into some of the intersections of planning. Um, Cause I think that, three things tend to come together when we when we're talking about planning wills trust estate financial planning and and the components are you know the financial we'll just call them instruments maybe you know so assets insurance that kind of stuff bank accounts um the taxation right that that how how are things taxed and ownership all that all that kind of stuff but taxation is very complex and then the legal component that deals with, you know, bridging those two together, as well as protections. And let's just kind of talk through some of, you know, really, how are these converging? Because we've mentioned a couple, you know, we've mentioned some kind of triggers, but I think that there's, you know, you mentioned like titling, you know, life events. Let's just kind of talk how how they come together and how you'll probably see different parts of this through different lenses. Yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely go from the framework of when these these all intersect uh, in there, and you even mentioned it as you talked about the things that you had done for your family, responsibility. So all of these things are, are pointing back to responsibility. I'm responsible over my assets. I'm responsible over my taxes. I'm responsible over the legal obligations that I have. And then being proactive about those things. So the proactivity is I'm going to take the time that I need to go ahead and plan and do the things that I need to do to make sure that these things are the way that I need them to be for myself, for my family. And then last of all, it's being a good steward. When you think about being a good steward, you're thinking about not just yourself, 
You're thinking about the people, the organizations, and all of the things that you really deeply care for, right? So that's where all of those, those three things really begin to intersect. And like I said, it's, it's never about the documents. It's never about which tools or anything that we use. It's more about the foundational level of who we are uh, human-wise. Then we build from there. So yeah, definitely those three things, responsibility, proactivity, and stewardship. I love that. That's fantastic. And I love, I do love the word stewardship because it, it, that does, that really brings home all of that in, in such a powerful and wonderful way. I want to, I want to get kind of really granular. I know we've, we've gone big picture and covered a lot of ground. There's a, there's a few things that I just want to make sure very granularly we talk about and, and really kind of, so I want to ask you the question in, 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 as, in as plain language as possible, what is a will and why does somebody need to have it? So a will is practically a legal document that tells people, tells the court what you would like to happen with the resources that you leave behind. So just remember, whenever it comes to having a will, you know that it will, it's something that will need to be probated. So if you've done will-based planning, just know that the assets that you're passing through a will will have to go through into the probate court in order to be administered. So there is a process that goes along with that as well. Because I think a lot of times people like prepare to like, oh, check the box, I prepared the will, done. You know, everything's all set. Well, there's also another process that goes along with that as well. So why would someone want a will? Well, there's there's a default. Okay, so if you don't have a will, just the same way there's a default with incapacity, as we talked about the conservatorship, the guardianship with the state. If you don't have a will, there's a there's a default called um, intestate succession. And what that it means is that there are statutes that will determine how your assets pass. So they're going to look to see, OK, did you have a spouse? Did you have a child? Did you, have, you know, it's, there's not going to be based on the relationships that you had. It's not going to be based on what you would have wanted. It's all going to be based on whatever your state statute says. So I would say you want to have a will over not having a will. I would rather you have one than not have one if something happens to you so that you get to make the ultimate determination over what happens to your assets. Yeah, that's that's so perfect and helpful, and and, and I appreciate it because you know again it, some of these words they don't have as much resonance with us because we just don't necessarily know. Yeah, you know, yeah. it kind of seems like well, okay, I kind of get it, but that's it's really important to be very practical to see and, and kind of as you described to see them in action. And I want to yeah. I want to then take the next question because you mentioned probate and and that's a big driver, I think. So. What would a what's a trust? And I know there are various kinds of trust. So, at very very basic level, what what would a trust be or do in in functioning with something like a will? Because it's very often something that people talk about, and it has a couple of different, I mean, uses as well as reasons why people would would consider a trust. So, let's talk about that as in, in a in a more basic fashion. Okay. Yeah. So. I will, I will keep it street level and we will go to, um, so a trust, I, I look at a trust as like a container, a container that holds the assets. So it's a way to actually put assets into something else besides your individual name. 
So the trust is like a protected container. And what you want to do is make sure if you do do some trust-based planning is to make sure that you actually fund it to actually put the assets into the trust, which is just a retitling. Um, it's just a small, it's just a document. It's not too bad. But what the trust does is if you want to keep your family out of court and out of conflict, it is one of the best ways to keep your affairs private because probate is a very public display of everything that you have and everything, you know, I remember when I was in probate court and there was a case where this, this um, elderly lady, she had been an art dealer for a very long time and she had amassed a great deal of wealth. Well, she had to go through a conservatorship and, and everything because her family had not, I mean, because she hadn't done any planning. Well, it was, a, the courtroom was full and she turns around and she says, all of these people are here for my money. And it was like, you know, everybody was like ready to like grab a hold. But just the thing that because it was open in public, you know, they're able to just come sit and, you know, that's what probate is. So I would say if I had to differentiate a trust from a will, I would say if you're looking for more privacy, if you're looking for more protection, you want to get assets out of your individual name so that they don't have to go through probate. The trust is a way to do that. I tell you could not have said it better myself. And I also really appreciate how you gave a very tangible reference for that as well. And I know, um, you know, in the, uh, our family has done some trust planning. And, and for me, one of the things that I talk to people about as to kind of why trust or, you know, what, what was it for is that, you know, not just for us to pass wealth insurance on, et cetera, to what is now, you know, a minor child, which has its own framework, we can, we can get a guarantee, but, but to also be able to, to kind of still say, well, this is how I would want this to play out. Because yeah. that, you can't do that without a legal framework. A will can just say, this is who it goes to, but a trust, you can button up, like you said, a great a container that can not just hold it, but then it also, you, you put in, this is, this is how I want it to play out and who I want to have control over it. Right. Mm -hmm. And those, th those two elements are so important, you know, um, cause for us, like the default for parents with a child without these legal vehicles, mm -hmm. right. Most States, when you leave money to a minor, it's a guardianship process. Am I not correct? And so that right. would mean that all of this money at the time, at the age of majority, just it's it's voila it's hers right who would hand an 18 year old multiple million dollars with mm -hmm. no framework and no just here you go kid congratulations you're a, considered a legal age and here's all this money have a nice day right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's huge when you talk about that because you're right. With the will, the person is going to get the assets outright. They may be 18. They may be eight. And it's a very different story if they're eight, because then it goes into almost like a quasi trust for them. They have to have a person who's over it, you know, the, which the court will appoint. And then, yeah. you know, then when they turn 18, outright, they've got whatever the inheritance was. 
So you definitely, if you're thinking you want to do some, put some protections in place for them, which I would for an 18 year old, a lot of people like to use distributions over time for them. So I know, um, I know one family we've used the age of 25, 30, 35, because you're looking at different phases of their lives and different maturity levels. You know, an 18 year old is not going to think the same as a 25 year old who may have been through college and started a job and they're not going to think the same as a 30 year old or 35. You know, so those different ages and phases is a, a lot of people like to take advantage of that when they do some trust-based planning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I also think that it's good because we're talking about, you know, a trust. I think when when sometimes people are thinking, okay, these are these estate levels, right? The taxation levels, five million, eleven million, whatever. And so I think sometimes it's easy for people to say, Well, I don't I'm not gonna have that much assets to think about. So maybe I don't need to do any of this stuff. And I think that that's where, you know, what we're talking about brings that back around to say, well, it isn't always just about avoiding estate taxes, although that's that's obviously a, a portion of this, but really it's about pr protecting, preserving, and transferring the assets the way that you want. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You said it best. Yes. Protect, preserve, and transfer. That's exactly what this is whole framework is about, you know, when it comes to even even as you asked about the intersections, those are also themes that interplay with it as well. So very well said. Well, thank you. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've tried to listen to experts like you for as long as I've been a professional. I, I feel mm -hmm. like I've done a good job picking up some tips and tricks along the way. So absolutely, um, absolutely. And it, it does intersect with what you do a lot, too. I mean, you think when you're doing financial planning and you start titling someone's assets, well, you're thinking about, okay, what happens on the other end, you know? So. Yeah. No, it, it, you're right. It's, it's, it's a conversation that I have daily with all of our clients because, you know, it's, it's not just one thing to have accounts and savings and investments and all the other stuff, but it's important that people understand, okay, you know, this particular account and the purpose for these funds is X, but if X doesn't play out the way that we think it will, just let's make sure we know what would happen to this, this money, right? And, and very practically, you know, talk about that and talk about what you want to have happen if, if, you know, things don't play out the way you want. And, you know, that that does kind of make it a lot easier to bring these things together and then look at, you know, okay, well, maybe I do need to take the next step or, you know, look at, you know, have a will, look at a trust, look at all the things that need to come together to create that kind of a plan and titling and all that other stuff too. And it's, it's just so important. Um, I hate ending on, on a negative. I want to talk about, cause you, you, you've seen a lot of good things. Are there kind of common mistakes that you've seen as well that you would want people to be aware of? Hey, you know, I, I run across this all the time. I want you to avoid it. Is there anything that you can think of that, you know, are kind of common hurdles or roadblocks or things that people stumble across? Yeah, so it's been a lot of it has been with the do it yourself disasters. So I've seen people throw, you know, documents together that don't work. So something ends up happening. And then the, the document ends up getting thrown out because first of all, it, it may be invalid. Um, or, you know, you've named someone and you didn't you didn't update. It. So a lot of times I've seen people who don't update their documents. They, they think it's just one and done. They throw up, you know, get them together, done with it, put it up on the shelf, estate planning done. 
but you didn't realize that one of your heirs died or one of the people that you appointed as a trustee or you appointed them as the executor of your estate, they're no longer there, they're no longer able to act. So keeping those documents up to date is probably one of the most huge things that I find, you know, where, you know, people have kind of dropped the ball or doing the do-it-yourself plan and then those things don't work and you've got your family in court fighting and they're trying to figure out what what you were supposed to do. You know, just there's there's a lot of different things, but I'm going to say those are going to be the two most common old outdated documents and documents that are ineffective. I'm so glad you hit both of those because I, I was going to say on the flip side, when we see, you know, I think the number one thing we try to be good about regularly is talking to our clients about the beneficiary designations they have for their accounts, mm-hmm. retirement accounts, life insurance, you name it. Like, let's make sure because I, I I have at least a dozen stories of and this is this is where divorce comes into play, where somebody's marital status changed and yet the beneficiary section didn't. And then all of a sudden something happened to the individual and, and the person that thought was going to get the money is not the person that they have on record that's going to get the money. And that's not a fun situation. So no. yes, I, I, it's not one and done. I'm, I'm glad that you said that. Financial planning, any kind of planning, anything dealing with your money in your life, it needs to, it's lifestyle planning. You need to have the engagement, hopefully, with good professionals to keep looking at it and making sure that the plan matches where you are in life and that you, know, you, you adjust things along the way as things change. Um, because, yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you want things to work the way that you want them to work, but what you did 10 years ago might be different today. So Absolutely. that is, that is such great advice. I, I don't think we can end better. I think that that is so important. What's the best way for our audience to get a hold of you or find you and engage you? If they have questions. Absolutely. So they can go to the website, reflectionslifeplanning.com. And we have a contact us form there. There's all of the information there. You can email info at reflectionslifeplanning.com. Or you can call our office at 703-752-6196. So there's a few different ways that you can get in touch. And we love to touch base with people. Even if you just have questions, want to know some things, want to meet with us, and we can see if it makes sense for us to work together. And and I love your website as well. Um, And you're very findable on LinkedIn too. So yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Actually, we're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And the YouTube channel is just about ready. So you can follow us on YouTube, but everything is, we have to finish uploading all the videos, but yeah, definitely um, very findable. (laughs) Preview of coming attractions. I love it. Mm -hmm. Well, fantastic. Raina, this is, this was a delightful conversation. I really appreciate you making the time. I think our audience is going to really enjoy this and I want to thank you. Thank you for joining me. No problem. Anytime, Brian. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for the audience for listening. All right. The information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. 
The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Haney is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC.